life here just kind of concludes and, and builds and, and brings to a great ending the reality of who Joseph was. Um, he, he was not Christ. He was not perfect. Um, outside of Christ, I don't know that there's better example in Scripture than Joseph. Uh, for the amount of detail we have about him, there may be others that you think, man, when you, what you read about him is great, but it's only a couple of verses or something like that. We get to see Joseph's life uh, from beginning to end. And within his life, there is very, very little that you can point to that says, you know, man, Joseph was not a good person. Uh, everything about his life, like I said, we looked at the earlier part of his life and where I've always taught he was this bratty little kid, annoying little kid, whatever. I view it differently now. But just what a wonderful illustration for us that even in um, the non-pleasant moments of life that we can still be obedient. And when we are, there is a result that is positive for us as well. In chapter 43, we see the uh, return of, of the brothers now. Remember, they were sent away. They were told to go get Benjamin and bring him back. Um, and, uh, and, and Jacob said, I'm not sending Benjamin. Benjamin can't go. Uh, I've already lost Joseph. I'm not going to lose Benjamin. And Judah eventually says, Dad, we need him or else we're going to starve to death. Um, if anything happens to him, um, it'll be on me. I am, uh, I am the lone to say, and, and it'll be all on me and, and, and everything from there. And Jacob finally says, all right, fine, you can go. Verse 13, take also your brother and arise, go again unto the man and, and God Almighty give you mercy before the man that he may send away your other brother and Benjamin. If I be bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. So he comes to the conclusion, it's what we have to do, and, uh, and hopefully God will give you mercy in front of this man, which, which he's soon to find out is Joseph, um, and, and I'll get both of my kids back that, uh, that, are, that are gone. So that brings us to verse 15, and we see this return, and we see kind of the buildup of the return. They took the, the, all the things that Jacob was going to send uh, with them, extra money, the money that they brought back the first time, and more money on top of that. Other gifts as well were going to come. And they went to Egypt, and he stood before Joseph at the end of verse 15, verse 16. And when Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the ruler of his house, Bring the men home, uh, bring these men home, and slay, and make ready. And these men shall dine with me at noon. And the man did as Joseph bade the man, uh, brought the men into Joseph's house. And the men were afraid because they were brought into Joseph's house. And they said, because of the money that was returned in our sacks at the first time, are we brought in, that they may seek occasion against us, fall upon us, and take us for bondmen uh, and our asses. And they came near uh, to the steward of Joseph's house, and they communed with him at the door of the house and said, Sir, we came indeed down at the first time to buy food, and it came to pass that when we came to the inn, that we opened our sacks, and behold, every man's money was in the mouth of his sack, and our money was in full weight, and we have brought it again in our hand, and other money have we brought down in our hands to buy food. We cannot tell who put our money in our sacks. So they're, they're very quickly letting them know everything that happened, being very upfront with everything that happened. And he said, verse 23, Peace be to you, fear not. Your God and the God of your father hath given you treasure in your sacks. I had your money. Uh, and he brought Simeon out unto them. So remember, Simeon's been in prison this whole time. And the man brought the men into Joseph's house and gave them water and washed their feet 
and he gave their asses provender, and they made ready the present against Joseph, uh, came at noon, for they had heard that they should eat bread there. So they've told the, the, the doorman everything that's going on. Now they're getting everything ready to basically do the exact same thing to Joseph. Tell him everything they just told this other guy and, uh, and kind of pour it out there for Joseph uh, to see. But we see in these next couple of verses, Joseph's dream returns. Uh, verse 26, And when Joseph came home, they brought him present, with, uh, which was in their hand into the house, and bowed themselves to the, him to the earth. And he asked them of their welfare and said, Is your father well, the old man of whom you spake? Is he yet alive? And they answered, the, uh, Thy servant, our father, is in good health. He is yet alive. And they bowed down their heads and made obeisance, which is what the same terminology that was used with Joseph's dream. And so the second time, remember he had two dreams. They both were basically the same thing with different objects in the dream, but uh, they, he had two dreams, and now the second has come true as well. Um, then Joseph gets to meet his little brother, uh, who he had not met before. And he says in verse 26 that when Joseph came home, uh, I'm sorry, in verse 29, uh, and he lifted up his eyes and he saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, uh, is this your younger brother of whom you spake unto me? And he said, go, uh, excuse me, God be gracious unto thee, my son. And he made haste for his bowels did yearn upon his brother, and he sought where to weep. And he entered into his chamber and wept there, overtaken with emotion. The, now remember, all these guys were his brother. They were all half-brothers. But this child was his full brother. It wasn't his dad's son. They were all his dad's sons. It was his mother's son. And there was something unique and something special about this. And he immediately was overtaken with emotion. He runs out and cries. Uh, verse 31, he, he refreshed himself, uh, washed his face, all that kind of stuff, and came out and ate with his brothers uh, here through the end of the chapter. Uh, look in verse 34, though. He took and sent messes unto them from before him. But Benjamin's mess was five times so much as many of theirs, as any of theirs, and they drank and were merry with him. So Benjamin got uh, extra, extra mess. How you like that person who cooks dinner at night? Here's your mess. Um, I've learned in my house that doesn't go over as well, but when you call it that. But, uh, uh, but Benjamin got five times uh, the meal. And you know what? We don't see them reacting to this. Which is interesting. Again, I just I, my mind just thinks a lot on this story, and um, you know why did they not like Joseph? Well, because his dad treated him better than everybody else. And uh, and and here Benjamin gets offered better things than them. I'm just curious of what's going through their minds. Maybe they were too nervous about other things. They didn't pay much attention to it because uh, it doesn't bring attention to the fact that everybody else saw it or not. But um, all of these things happening. And, and there doesn't seem to be any reaction to this. Why did he want Benjamin to come in the first place, right? Uh, in their minds, what were they thinking? Why, who cares? We got another brother. Okay, whatever. Um, and now he's being treated so well, all these kinds of things. Interesting to me. Uh, but Joseph is going to test his brothers. Verse number 1, chapter 44. Uh, he commanded the steward's house, saying, Fill the men's sacks with food, as much as they can carry, and put every man's money uh, in his sack's mouth. So he's doing the same thing he did the first time, right? Uh, and, uh, and so he's going to go on and do that. He's got this whole plan 
where they're going to get caught stealing money, so to say. And, uh, and Joseph's intrigued to see, and they put it, the, a cup, Joseph's cup, it's in these verses, but Joseph's cup in Benjamin's sack. So not only money, but now one of Joseph, who is practically the king. He's not the king, but practically the king. Uh, his cup has been put in Benjamin's sack, so it looks as though Benjamin stole uh, this cup. Uh, verse number, skip down to verse number um, 10. And he said, Now also let it be according unto your words. He with whom it is found shall be my servant. So they've approached the brothers, and they said, You've stolen something uh, of the kings uh, here, and whoever finds it, they're going to be our servant. Verse 11, They speedily took down every man his sack to the ground, opened every man his sack, and he searched and began at the eldest and left at the youngest, and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Then they rent their clothes and laid at every man his ass and returned to the city. Uh, so we see the, the trap is set or the test is set uh, for, for the brothers. How are they going to respond with Benjamin now being caught supposedly red-handed and now he is going to be kept and what is going to happen? How is Jacob going to respond to this? All these sorts of things. Judah speaks in verse 14, and really for almost the rest of the chapter, he's sharing with Joseph what he told his dad, what we looked at last week. He said, he said my dad wouldn't let us come back because he wasn't going to send Benjamin because he already lost Joseph, and he didn't want to lose Benjamin. And so I said, Dad, it's on me if I lose Benjamin, and, and he really needs Benjamin to come home. If he doesn't, it's going to kill him. Uh, please keep me. Uh, look, skip all the way down to verse number 25. Yeah, 25. And our father said, go again and buy us a little food. And we said, we cannot go down without the youngest. This is the story I just told you. Uh, verse 30. Now, therefore, when I come to thy servant, my father, and the lad be not with us, seeing that his life is bound up in the lad's life, it shall come to pass when he seeth that the lad is not with us, then he will die. And thy servant shall bring down the gray hairs of thy servant, our father, with sorrow to the grave. Judah understood that this guy was concerned about their dad. Right? He's asked about him every time he's seen him. Is he still alive? How's he doing? All that kind of stuff. He said, if you do this, you're going to kill him. This will be, this will be the end of his time. Uh, verse 33, Now therefore I pray thee, let thy servant abide instead of the lad, a bondman to my Lord, and let the lad go up with his brethren. For how shall I go up to my father, and the lad be not with me, lest peradventure I see the evil that shall come on my father. This is Judah. Remember Reuben back in the day was the one that stood up for Joseph. And he stood up for him uh, with his brothers. Um, and he was good before as well. He offered actually, to, hey dad, kill my kids if I don't come back. Jacob said no. Then Judah steps up and says, dad, we've got to go. It's on me. And now Judah steps up again. And he says, keep me. Let him go with his brothers. And you can keep me as, as the servant. This is a pretty big change for Judah from earlier in his life. Um, and, and you see the compassion for his dad. If you remember when they sold Joseph, there was no love for their dad in that either. Uh, they were going to break his heart, and they did break his heart. Um, and you see the concern for his father. Um, you see the concern, I think, for his, his brother to a degree as well. Uh, and I would assume that Benjamin got treated pretty well back home. But we see Judah here uh, understanding his role and fulfilling his commitment to his father and, and asking for, for uh, this change in Joseph's mind. And so that's when Joseph decides to reveal himself. Chapter 45, verse 1. Joseph could not uh, refrain himself before all of them and stood by them. And he cried 
because every man uh, caused every man to go out from me, and there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and uh, the house of Pharaoh heard. That's that's loud, loud crying. Okay, and Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Death my not death yet my father doth. Sorry, I turned the page too soon. Uh, doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. Now, you hear the idea of people seeing a ghost. I mean, they're sitting there going, oh, my goodness. They've already talked about the last visit they were there. They talked about how the things that were happening to them were happening to them because of what they did to Joseph. And now they're standing there, and this guy who they've been dealing with says, hey, I'm Joseph. I'm your brother. Verse 4, and Joseph said unto his brethren, come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brethren, whom you sold into Egypt. It's funny you had to put that tag in there, right? You know, the, the one that you sold? Uh, yeah, I'm not the one that you traveled with up here. I, I'm the one that you sold many years ago, just in case you forgot. That's not his attitude here. But he's, 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 he's revealing himself to who he is. And we see for the first time, not the first time, the first time in this situation, we'll see it again in a moment, where Joseph sees God in everything that happened. Um, He says here, look at just uh, uh, verse number 5. He says, Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. Uh, That was the purpose that Joseph saw in it all. God did this, not you. God, God's the one that had you sold, sell me because it allowed me to preserve life. He explains the famine to him and what's going on. We're two years in. There's five years to go. Uh, but God sent me ahead to preserve life. Verse 7, And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. He said, God saved me to preserve life in general. God sent me to preserve your life. Verse 8, so now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh, and lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. God sent me ahead to preserve life. God sent me ahead to preserve your life. God blessed me when he sent me ahead. And verse 9, Hasty, and go up to my father, and say unto him, Thus saith the son of Joseph, thy son Joseph, excuse me, God hath made me lord of all Egypt. Come down unto me, tarry not. He's saying, go tell dad what God's done. He's made me ruler. I don't know if they thought back to the dream. I don't know if Joseph went back to the dream. But you remember there was a dream where the sun and the moon and the 11 stars bowed down to Joseph. And Joseph's dad, Jacob, said, are you saying your mother and I are going to bow down to you? And he says, go back and tell dad what God's done. He's made me ruler of all of Egypt. Tell him who, who, what, what God has done, where he's placed me, everything that happened. Tell him, tell him that I, I'm the one you're dealing with. Tell him that his son is here. And so he, he lays out the situation that God placed for him. Not that his brothers did, not that Potiphar did, not that the jailer did, not that Pharaoh did, but that God did 
in his life. And four times in five verses, we see him bring up God and what God did for him. Uh, Jacob, his dad, hears the news. Look down in verse number 25. Uh, And they went out of Egypt and came into the land of Canaan unto Jacob their father and told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive, and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. Can you imagine the disappointment in Jacob with his sons? Why would you even say that? And his heart fainted. And it says in verse 27, uh, And they told him all the words of Joseph which he had said unto them. And when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob their father revived. And Israel, which is Jacob, said, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. He saw what he needed to see to believe him. And his spirit was revived. I believe when it says his heart fainted, I think he was near death. I think he was at that point where he's like, enough is enough. And when they said, no, Dad, here's what Joseph said. And then they got the wagons that came to to pick you up and to take you back. And he said, I've seen it. That's, That's what I needed to see. That's enough. I believe you now. And he realized his son was alive. Jacob and Joseph are reunited. Uh, Chapter 46, go towards the end of the chapter, uh, verse 28. It says, And he sent Judah before him unto Joseph to direct his face unto Goshen, and they came into the land of Goshen. And Joseph made ready his chariot and went up to meet Israel, his father, to Goshen, and presented himself unto him. And he fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. And Israel said unto Joseph, Now let me die, since I have seen thy face, because thou art yet alive. What a reaction, right? Been apart for so many years. All right, I can die now. Uh, hold on, Dad. Let's spend a little bit of time together. <laughs> but you understand the, 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 the great passion that was here and the love of Jacob for Joseph and Joseph for Jacob as well. And such a sweet reunion um, after Jacob for decades had assumed his son was dead. Um, and from what we read, he pretty much mourned for all that time. He was very much a different person after the so-called death of Joseph, and we see um, uh, Jacob's love for him here. Uh, Jacob does uh, pass away at some point. He goes and meets Pharaoh. Joseph introduces his family to Pharaoh and all these sorts of things uh, throughout chapter 47, 48, and 49. Uh, But flip over to chapter 50, and we see here um, Jacob does pass away, and he's buried. Uh, go Go to chapter 50, verse 15. So Jacob is, has died. He has been buried in, chapter, in verse 14. Verse 15, when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. I don't know why they thought that at this point. I could understand it originally. I, I don't know what it was, but for whatever reason, they thought as soon as dad's gone, we're doomed. Uh, then... Joseph is going to take us out. He's going to do some mean things to us. So they sent a messenger, verse 16, to Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, Be nice to your brothers. Um, it's verse 17. It's, it's, it's in a little bit more detail than that. But they're saying, Dad said before he died, 
to make sure you knew he wanted you to be nice to us. Did he say that? I wouldn't think so. It doesn't actually tell us, um, but probably not. <laughs> but they're trying to save their own skin, right? Man, they're trying to stay alive. You can't blame somebody for trying to stay alive. Um, but uh, look in verse 17. So, so shall you say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of thy servants of God thy father, uh, and uh, God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went down and fell before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. We're just throwing our, our fate into your mercy. And verse 19, Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? Joseph continues to remember his role on this earth. He says, I'm not God. I don't get to make the choice of when you live and when you die. Don't be afraid of that. Verse 20, but as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. To bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. The wisdom in Joseph. He had the power on this earth to do whatever he wanted to do. And he said, guys, I'm not God. I don't choose life and death. You see, what you did to me, you, you meant it for evil. You were being meanie pants. It wasn't very nice. Uh, you threw me into that pit. You dragged me out. You sold me off. I would assume he knew they wanted to kill him. I'm not sure, but uh, that's the way I understand it at least. And, and he, but you sold me off and... And then I went into Potiphar's house, and I got falsely accused, and I got thrown into prison, and I got left there, and then, and then here I am. He says, you meant, you meant what you did to me for evil, but God, he meant it for good, to, to bring to pass everything that's been done to save much people alive. Ultimately, to save God's people, but other people too. And he said, what you meant for evil... God meant for good. Look at verse 21. Now, therefore, fear ye not. I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them, and he spake kindly unto them. What interesting verbiage. For me, at the end of verse 20, I'm good. Joseph did the right thing. Joseph showed that he loved them. Joseph showed that he cared for them. Joseph showed he didn't hold a grudge and he wasn't bitter against them. But the Bible and God chooses to tell us in verse 21 that he nourished them and their little ones, their family. He comforted them and he spake kindly unto them. It tells you who Joseph was. He was the ruler at that time of one of the greatest empires. He ran everything except for Pharaoh's house. And he could have spoke harshly. He could have ignored. He could have said, here's some stuff for you, good luck. But he comforts them and he speaks kindly unto them. A kind word, fitly spoken. A soft answer. 
The Bible talks about kind, soft speech and what it can do for someone. And Joseph recognized in this moment what his brothers needed. They were terrified. And not rightfully so. I mean, if it was me being Joseph, then sure, they should have been scared. But Joseph had proved to them over and over again, once he revealed himself, even before, once they could look back and see, but Joseph was going to be good to them. And they were scared. And he understood they were scared. And he could have messed with them, right? He could have, he could have, whew, they would have needed to change clothes. I mean, they, they, he could have done some things just by talking to them. That would have terrified them. But he didn't. He comforted them and he spoke kindly to them. And I think it just shows us the, uh, the, the whole picture of Joseph. In verse 20 and 21. In verse 20, he says, It doesn't matter what you did to me. God meant it for the right reasons. God meant it for good. And in verse 21, he showed compassion to his brothers who did not show compassion to him. Do we have a heart to comfort people when they're, when they're fearful? Think about this one aspect and we'll be done. A Christian does wrong. When a Christian does wrong, it's hard for the Christian to admit to someone else they did wrong. It's one thing to go to God, which should be the hard part, but it's one thing to go to God in private and say, God, I did wrong. God always responds with forgiveness and restoration, but people don't. And it's hard to go to a person and say, I did wrong. Because you don't know what the reaction's going to be. When someone wrongs you and they come to you and they say, I did wrong, what's your reaction? Yes, you did. You messed up my week. You messed up my day. You messed up this. You messed up that. Whatever it may be. That's not how we're supposed to respond. If someone comes to us admitting fault, seeking forgiveness. We don't have the power that Joseph had on this earth. But the reality is, is our response should be comfort and kind speaking. I think Joseph is a wonderful story. He passes away in these last uh, few verses of, of the book. Um, but I think Joseph is such a wonderful story to be able to uh, look at his life and see what he goes through and see how he responds and to be able to have all of Joseph's life recorded for us to understand um, the, whole, the whole picture. And may we take what Joseph did and put it into our life and apply into our life through the hardships to be obedient to God. Through hurt, be obedient to God. Uh, not be bitter. Not hold it against people to look at it and, and seek for God's guidance. God, you know, what, what is God doing in my life? What does this mean for my life? What, how, does God, how is God going to use this for his purpose? And, uh, and I think we can, we'll be able to look back and see God's blessing in our life through our faithfulness. 
Verse 26 says Joseph died living 110 years old. We really, I guess, pick up the ultimate story with Joseph at 17. Uh, we read about his birth, but at 17 in a field with his brothers. And we close out his life at 110 years old, uh, being the most powerful man in Egypt. And yet, from what we can see, being one of the most humble men in Egypt as well. And uh, like I said, we, may we look and see what God's doing versus what people are doing. And may we be able to have the patience and the calmness and the willingness to speak comfort and kindness to other people, especially when they're at our mercy, so to say. Um, may we do better, do better in those areas. God meant it for good, and uh, God means your life for good too.